home, you know, we consider you just as much a part of what's going on here, you know. And so, you know, you can, you're watching and you say, wow, I'd, you know, I'd like to have that. You, you can, what God does for one, he'll do for another. So just pray and, and just believe that you receive. Just say, Lord, I would like that too, you know, and uh, just believe that you have it because he's with you there where you are. And, uh, you know, I know that we're still working on getting our technical stuff where it flows nice and, you know, and we've been talking about different ways to, you know, and I'm still getting used to ministering that way. So sometimes there's gaps and things like that. But the Lord dealt with me to not worry so much about spit and polish. It'll all come together over time. So then, uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Did I hear someone say they couldn't hear too well? Can you not hear? You having trouble hearing it? Um, Can I go ahead and get a little bit more volume on my mic here? I guess I have to say something to tell. Okay, thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you, Becky. You are much appreciated. It was beautiful. (laughs) There's a line in the Psalms that says that praise to God is beautiful. It's, it's, uh, it's that g- talking about genuine praise, you know, drawing, drawing near to God in spirit and in truth. And sometimes that's difficult, you know, as a worship leader, you know, sometimes you're, you're so focused on getting all the technical things right that you, that you don't mean to, but you're not, your focus is not where it should be on God, you know. And it's, 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 not, it's not difficult, you know. It's just a matter of getting into the habit of coming into God's presence and, you know, telling him, I'm drawing near to you now, Lord, and you just believe that you are and... Where it said, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. So if you're sincere, when you tell him, I'm drawing near to you now, I'm just going to spend some time in your presence, then he's with you. He's with you. Okay, so, um, here in Luke 6, oh, I, I do have a couple announcements before we get into this. So, uh, Tim already talked about the shoeboxes. Uh, locally, they do what's called a joyous Christmas. They've done it for the last few years, and every single year they've asked me to announce it, and every year I've forgotten. So, um, they're, you know, I'm talking about other pastors in the area, and so if you guys are watching, I'm sorry. But anyway, so it's always Christmas, and, and uh, me and Tammy actually got involved is it two, you know, a couple years back, um, and it's a joint you know, choir that comes together made up of different people from different churches and get together and, and sing a bunch of Christmas songs, and, and uh, they do it over at the PAC Center, and they're doing it, uh, <clears throat> well, actually two nights this year, so December 17th and December 18th at 7 p.m., um, Jerry Fay Wilhelm Center for Performing Arts. Is that the same thing as the PAC? Okay, same thing. Okay. All right. The admission is free. Um, you can reserve your tickets at bisdpac.ludus, spelled L-U-D-U-S dot com. Why'd they make that so hard? Anyway, um, but the tickets are free, and, you know, they told me you come in, and you get a temperature check, and then you go in, and they're, they're, having, it, they're having seating by group, by church, you know, so... It's like you all sit together, and then there's a social distancing thing around you, and then the people next to you, and the choir have special choral masks, and I'm like, how does that work? But anyway, uh, they have special choir masks, and um, it's a very, it's a very cool thing. Uh, you know, really, I really enjoyed it when we could do it. We just haven't been able to do it every year. <clears throat> but anyhow, just wanted to let you all know about that. And I feel like I got a frog in my throat or something What's going on here. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so here we are in Luke 6, and, uh, you know, uh, oh, that's right, the kids are with us today. We have, I have 
three strapping young boys over here, over to the side over here. And you guys, I will have candy at the end, and I'll have it on the back. So if you pay attention to the questions, I mean, you have a potential, a potential to get a total of three pieces of candy today because I got ten questions, and there's three of you right here. So if you divide that up, wow, that's... It's the mother load. What? I just won't ask that question. He said, there's still one question left if you only... <laughs> but you, how do you know how many questions I have? I didn't tell you how many questions I have. Did I have... Did I say ten? Okay. All right, y'all caught me. Okay, so let's go ahead and dig into the word, right? That's the perfect time. Okay, so Luke chapter 6, and this is interesting here because Jesus teaches things that, you know, if you, you go through and you just, if you just read Jesus' teachings with an open heart, it's like, wow, he's saying things that just completely go against the way that I would normally think and, and do and say, and, and uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's really a challenge, you know, and really you think about it, it's like, okay, well, you're telling me that I have to do things completely different than the way I'm used to doing them. And so many people, I think, try, you know, they're like, okay, well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf and they just try it and they fail and they immediately are like, oh, well, I'm, I can't do it. And, but it's a, it's a, it takes time. It's a, it's a training process because if you think about it, your entire life, you, you, every time you do something a certain way, you are, you are, re, you are, um, you are strengthening that established behavior that you trained yourself to walk in. And so you're talking about not only uh, training to walk in a new way, but you have to untrain, you know, what, you, what you've been, you know. I know I've got some Star Wars fans down here over here, and it's like you must unlearn what you have learned, you know. And yeah, there's some wisdom in that, you know. So uh, this is interesting. You know, let's, look at, let's just look at the very first part of verse 27 in Luke 6. So this is Jesus speaking. And this is a really interesting statement. It caught my attention a long time ago. He said, but to you who are willing to listen. <laughs> I think that's funny. He, this is a speaker saying, could you imagine uh, you know, uh, um, some political figure standing up and you know, we, we're used to the kind of speeches that they give. Could you imagine them walking up and say, okay, those of you who are listening out there, I have some things to tell you. So but Jesus is, you know, I mean, he just says, to you who are willing to listen, you know, and... <laughs> it's very interesting. Jesus wants to make sure that these people are hearing more than just the sound of his voice. Don't just, don't just fall asleep out there. I, I have something that I want you to, to listen to. You know, and you know, why, why, is he, why is he doing this? Well, I already have the answer, but I want you to think about it for a second. Why does Jesus pause his teaching? Because he's already been teaching. He pauses his teaching to say, I'm talking to those of you who are actually listening to me now. So it's, it's, the reason is, is because even the words of Jesus can't help a, a person who is not willing to listen. I mean, it's true. So we should make a decision to listen to God's voice. You know, you remember over in old, the Old Testament, Psalm 95, I think it was. The word says, today when you hear God's voice, don't, do not harden your heart. Be teachable. Be moldable. When God says something, be willing to say, okay, I'll do what you said. You know? And so it's, it's uh, very difficult to listen to God's voice with a hard heart. You know, do not harden your heart. Because we, ha- we harden our own heart. You know? So in other words, have a soft heart toward God. Right? So Jesus says here in Luke 27, 
And we're going to read down a little further. He says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Now Jesus knew that what he was saying goes against what people naturally do to their enemy. Or, or when, you, when, you, when you've identified this person is an enemy, he's saying, this, I have some things to say about how you're to treat that person that you've identified as an enemy. Okay. So, you know, even as children, and that's why I say, I mean, from childhood... We have, we have trained and retrained ourselves and retrained ourselves to act a certain way, to react a certain way. You know, and I mean, you use this example, you know, what happens, you know, from, as when a kid pushes another kid down in the playground, or, or better yet, you were that kid at some point, they got pushed down in the playground and the kid just turned around and walked away. You know, what, what's, what's the natural response? Well, first you look around and make sure there's no adults watching. Right? No, one, no one who's in authority who can interfere with your, your plans for revenge. But even if you're not planning on physically taking revenge, because that, that would have been me. I wouldn't have been the person who actually physically takes revenge, but I would have been running it over in my head. How would I do this? You know? You know, so it, it, it feels good it, to, you know, you could say it, 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 it strokes the flesh, if you will, to plan it out and think about what you would do and see. So that's the flesh talking and and it's, it starts younger than we might think. You know, I mean, <clears throat> I'll never forget one time I was working at uh, Mervyn's department store. I told you this story before. Working at Mervyn's department store. It's, you know, may it rest in peace. It's, it's now gone, but it was a good place to work. But I was working the cash register and, uh, at the shoe counter. And this lady come up, and she's got her transaction. And, uh, you know, she's got, she has two little kids with her. And there's a little boy in the stroller. You know, he, he looked like he wasn't old enough to walk yet. And uh, he had a sister who looked like she's maybe four, three or four, you know, somewhere around there. And to this day, you know, I can't, I can't remember how her transaction went or whether she was even buying or selling something because it was so interesting to watch this interaction between her kids that I, I mean, like, did I even give her, her receipt? I don't, you know, I don't know. You know, so, I mean, because the baby has a, drop, a bottle. You know, he's got the bottle and I see him drop it. Yeah, out of the corner of my eye, you know, I see, see him drop it. Well, the sister saw it fall. She goes over and she picks it up and she hands it to him. And uh, she starts to walk away. Well, how many of you ever played the drop game with a baby? You all know what I'm talking about. You know, it's, it's like, oh, you gave it back to me. Let's drop it again. And now I watch you pick it up and then you put it back in my hand and then I drop it again. And then, you know, you, you pick it up for me and... And, and, you know, I, so, so anyway, so he, so he, <laughs> he, t- he, she turns around and walks away and, well, he drops it, okay? And she heard the bottle hit the ground, so she picks it up and she gives it back to him again. And the baby's watching her as she turns to walk away. He's, he's just really, and she turns around and walked away. He waited for her to get a few steps away. He dropped it. He's like, he just drops it, you know? And so she looks back and she sees the bottle on the ground, you know, and she goes and she picks it up and she 
jams it into his hands, and she's like, you know, don't do that, you know, whatever she said. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't, you know, sibling language, right? Don't ever do that again. And so she turns around and walks away, and I mean, that that little baby, I saw, I, I kid you not, I saw a fire light up in his eyes like, you know, after she yelled at him, and he, and he takes the bottle, and, and he, he held it like a football, and he, and he I mean, it was, it was pretty amazing to watch, actually, you know. I always say that I think that kid's going to grow up to be a quarterback, because, I mean, he flung that bottle, and, and it had a perfect spiral on it, just about, and it hit her in the back of the head, just wham, and she, and she looked down at the bottle, she, I mean, she didn't look like she was hurt, because she just, like, she just looked shocked, and she turned around, she looked at the bottle, and she looked at him, and she goes, ah! I mean, she, she pointed at the bottle, and she threw her head back, and she's looking up at the ceiling, and she's screaming, screaming. And, you know, I'm like, wow, you know. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm talking about learning here, to, learning to follow the flesh at an early age, because what's the baby do? You know, it's like, you can't, you can't do that to me. I'll show you. <laughs> you know? So, even just a little guy learning to respond from the flesh. You know? So, it, it, it's learned early. That's my point. So, but, but, there's, there's, but think about this, though. In that situation and many others, there's not just one person involved. You know? you know, one child does something wrong. So, what's the other one do? Does something wrong back. And then you just have this around and around we go. You know, and then, and then until, until eventually someone gets really hurt. Right? Been there. It's not pretty. And so for many people, both in and out of church, they carry that response from the flesh into adulthood. It's just true. I grew up in church. I've seen it. I've seen it. We get into the workplace, for example. You know, I mean, in church it happens, but even in the workplace too. You know, something, someone says something bad about a coworker to the boss so that they don't get promoted, so that they will get promoted, you know. Uh, so then what the natural response to the person, you know, they're going to find out what, ha- what happened and, you know, what's the, I mean, the natural response, I was thinking about a line that I saw in one of the Spider-Man movies, you know, something happened to, to Peter Parker and he's looking at the other guy that did it and he's like, I'm going to put some mud in your eye, you know. I was like, wow, that's kind of a, <laughs> but see, the, we're talking about, this is what people have been doing from a very young age, Okay to respond from the flesh. And so it's, it, takes, it takes a lot to, say, to take what Jesus has said here and say, okay, I'm going to yield. I'm going to submit to what Jesus said. It's not easy, and it takes time, and we're going to make mistakes, but just keep, keep at it. You know, just keep at it. And, uh, you know, I mean, think about this too. You know, there's something to think about with the baby and the little girl. Why did the little girl look up before she started crying, I mean, she's looking at her mom too. You know, she, she's appealing for her mom to step in. She, she's looking for a higher authority now to step in. To, you know, because, because what she, she's also, she's pointing at the she's pointing at the evidence. She maybe, can't, she maybe can't articulate exactly what happened, but she can point to the evidence and be like, that. That is what I am upset about. So, you know... And she's, what's she hoping for? She's hoping that mom steps in and little brother gets what's coming to him. Right? So, so many times when people get hurt, they look up to God and they appeal to him to step in because they're hoping, maybe not all the time, but they're hoping that the people who hurt them will get what's coming to him. 
you know. But it's interesting, you know, Paul talked about that, and, and he, he talked about it, he mentioned a specific guy, he said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. He said, the Lord will repay him for, in other words, I'm not, I will not repay him for what he's done. I'm putting it in God's hands. But he wasn't saying one way or the other what he thought should be done, you know. And then right after that, he said, when I stood trial, nobody from the church stood with me, but let it not be accounted to them. He said, let, let them not, you know, I'm releasing them of that. You know, God forgive them of that, essentially. You know, so that's, the, that's our example, you know. And so, you, you know, when you say, uh, when people are hoping that the, those around them or their enemies are getting what's coming to them, it's, it's true that they will reap what they sow. You know, if we plant bad seed by hurting people, Rest assured, we will reap hurt into our lives. That counts for us and also our enemies. It counts for everybody, reaping and sowing. And it's not that God's punishing us. It's just that the consequences of that law that's in place, and God has said this law is in place, right? See, that's why God tells us to pray blessings on our enemies because we're sowing blessings into their lives, and afterward, we'll reap blessings back into ours. But before we respond to our enemy, before we've done anything good or bad, we've sowed anything good or bad, Jesus said, love your enemies. Now, to the ones who were listening, this is what he said. He said, to those who are listening, I say, love your enemies. In other words, the ones who were willing to do what Jesus said, they were probably thinking, well, how do I even do that? Where do I start? You know, I mean, that's what I thought when I first, it's like, where do you, how do you do that? How do you love your enemy? Where do you start? You know? So the title of today's message is How to Love an Enemy. How to do it. Because if I know how to do it, I can do that with confidence. Now Jesus explained exactly how to love an enemy right after he said to love them. God won't tell us to do something and then not tell us how to do it. You know? It's like, good luck. Do this, but, you know, good luck figuring it out, you know, because I'm not going to tell you. No, he doesn't do that. It's because God understands that this concept is so against what the flesh wants to do and what we've taught ourselves to do, that it does not compute with those who are used to doing what the flesh wants to do. It's like, that doesn't even make sense to me. You know, it's like trying to download incompatible computer software on your computer. Have you ever done that? Or have you tried to open, like, say, a really old file in in a new new program? You know, I mean, if it it worked, like, I've tried to open Word documents in Notepad. It's like, I'm just curious what will happen if I try to open this in Notepad. Notepad probably didn't even exist anymore, but... As soon as you open it in a notepad, it's just all, it's just gar- garbled. It's just, it doesn't, it's like it's reduced down to code. It makes no sense. You know, so, like a parent showing their child how to ride a bicycle for the first time, Jesus rolls up his sleeves and he says, okay, now I'm going to show you. I said, love your enemies. Now we're going to walk through how to do that. So he teaches us how. And stay with me on this because we are going to look at an Old Testament story like we usually do, a short one. You know, but we do have to set a, uh, build a framework before we get over there. So, let's, so everyone say this with me. We're three words. Think, say, do. Think, say, do. Think, say, do. Okay? Anytime you are awake, you are doing one of those three things. You are either thinking something, saying something, or doing something. I've, I've, talked, to that, I've talked about that principle with, you know, People before it had a, had a, you know, somebody said, well, well, you know, I'm not doing anything right now. It's like you're thinking about what you're talking about. 
You're thinking about what, how you're responding to what I'm saying. You know, so while we're wrapping our head around this, this idea that no matter what, you know, if we're awake, we're doing one of these three things or a combination of the three, you know, start again, starting with verse 27 here. He said, but to, those, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. Now, I, I got a little, I get a little ahead of myself here, but it's all good, right? It's God's word. He says, "Do good to those who hate you." I, I think that we all already know how to do good. Down in verse thirty-one, Jesus said, "Do to others as you would like them to do unto you." Well, I mean, I I, I know how I would want other people to treat me. Therefore, I know how to treat. I know how to do good, you know. Give the person who hates you first place in line in the grocery store. Go ahead. Or, or buy them the book that you want to read. You know, help them with some work that they may be having trouble with. I'll help you with that. Because the first thing they'll think is, why are you doing this for me? I mean, if you offered them some food, they'd say, what'd you do to it, right? But see, that right there, you know, that, that willingness to do something for uh, an enemy is something that you would want done for you. That plants a seed of opportunity to share Jesus with the person. Why are you doing this to me? Well, because Jesus instructed me to love my enemies. Or you don't even have to say that because you don't want to necessarily tell them that, you're, that they're your enemy, but... Jesus said to do unto others as I would like done to me, so I'm doing this for you. Now, notice he said, do good to those who hate you, because actually there's a principle embedded in this. You know, you, you, you might think, well, he's just, he just, you know, talking in, in poetry. You know, he just, this is just uh, a, a, a aesthetically pleasing way to present just a single point, but actually he's giving as many points in here. So he, he says, do good to those who hate you. Hating has to do with what a person is thinking. To say bad things or to do bad things is to show hate. Okay? But hate itself starts with thoughts. It must. So I do good for the person that is thinking evil toward me. You know, we said think, say, and do. Well, the person is thinking evil toward me. I am doing good toward them. That's how I counteract someone who is hating me or thinking evil toward me. Because then he says, bless those who curse you. This has to do with words. In order to bless a person, I have to be saying something. I mean, it's true you can... We, we have our nomenclature where you can bless someone with a car or you can bless someone with this or that. But really blessing, to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying something. I'm blessing this person. You know, so uh, on the other side, it, they must say something in order to curse me. Right? You know. And you say, well, you know, how do you bless a person? Well, I mean, there's many ways. Point out to them some good qualities they may have. That's a blessing to, to be acknowledged for something that you're good at. You know, one time I had a debate with someone who was 
trying to tell me that Noah's Ark couldn't be true because the animals were only in pairs, so their offspring would have died due to inbreeding. And I told him, I said, you know, I can see that you're a very smart person. I said, because that's actually the best argument I've ever heard about Noah's Ark. But I also told him, I said, you know, that doesn't shipwreck my faith because the same God that created all the animals is the same God that's able to temporarily alter their DNA so that they can repopulate. God has intimate ability. I mean, any, 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 any argument from a, from a, from a human reasoning doesn't, doesn't apply to God because he has infinite ability. You know, and then I told him, I said, well, you know, I told him about Jesus, and I said, hope to see you in heaven someday. Hope to see you there. See, a soft answer turns away wrath. The word said that over in Proverbs. But, and and he, didn't, he didn't, you know, the guy that I was talking to, he didn't have much to say after that. See, complimenting the man's intelligence was a soft answer. I'm like, well, I can see that you're a very intelligent person. I don't agree with what you said, but you're very smart. You know. And then, you know, you think about this too. Inviting someone to accept Jesus, that can, also, can be a soft answer if it's done softly. You know, Mrs. Hagen up at Rama was telling the student body one time about a store where she, she liked to, to go to shop. She'd go in there all the time. And the store, the store owner's name was Jerry. And she, would always, she was always trying to win Jerry over to Jesus. And he was like, thank you, I, you know, that's, but I'm just not interested. You know. But she was always, she'd always talk to him about Jesus. And she, said, she told us, she said, on the way out of the store, every time she was leaving, she would turn and she'd say, heaven just wouldn't be the same without Jerry. See, that's an invitation to the celebration in heaven that we, we get through Jesus. And, and, and an invitation is a blessing. But beyond that, saying something simple like, you know, I, I hope that you and your family are doing well is a blessing. I, you know, it's a general blessing, but it's, it's still a blessing. And blessings can also be pronounced as well. You can pronounce a blessing over a person in faith, in Jesus' name. You know, may God protect your family while you're traveling. Or, I pray that God blesses your business, blesses your finances, blesses your children. I pray that God blesses you, your health. Blessings and curses are done with words. Then Jesus said, pray for those who hurt you. This is the third part here, what he's talking. Pray for those who hurt you. Hurting is doing something, isn't it? I can't hurt someone unless there's, there's got to be some kind of, he's talking about physical hurt. Because then in the very next verse he says, if someone slaps you in the cheek, offer your other cheek also. He's talking about physical hurt. So that, that has to be doing something. And you know, remember I told you that whenever you're, you're awake, you're either thinking, saying, or doing something. And we're talking about what to do if your enemy is doing something now. See, we're, you know, it's like, this is what you do if your enemy is thinking something toward you. This is what you do if your enemy is saying something. And this is what you do if they're doing something. Okay. He already told us, do good to those who hate you. Then he told us, bless those who curse you. And now we're on when they're doing something, hurting us. He said, pray for them. Pray. And you know, prayer is not always spoken. It can be, but it's not always spoken. This is how, uh, this, I mean, this, this has to do then with how we're thinking about our enemy. Because we have 
done something good for them. We have said something. We have spoken a blessing over them. And now we're thinking about our enemy or we're thinking toward them or whatever you, however you want to say it. Because we must think about them if we're going to pray for them. I got to think of things to pray for this person. I told God one time, I mean, I, you know, I had a manager who had, was just extremely rude to me. And I said, God, how, what do I, you know, what do I do? You know, how do I, how do I pray for this person? I don't know how to pray for her. He said, pray she has a good day. Let's just start with square one. I'm like, pray she has a good day? I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. But it's, it's just, you know, I asked him and he told me. It's just, it's just the basic. Let's start with the basics, Phil. Pray that she has a good day. If, I mean, it's like, okay, well, I, can't, I, can, I can pray for that. And then over time, I was able to pray more and more. And I got to the point where I was looking, at, I was looking forward to the part of the day where I pray for her. And I would pray every single thing I could think. Lord, bless her marriage. Bless her finances. Lord, bless her relationships. Help her. We actually ended up be kind of becoming friends. So then, this, you, know, you, you notice that it's interesting when he says pray for your enemy. Because there are times, you know, God doesn't say you have to maintain a close proximity to someone who's looking to hurt you. He didn't say that. He just said, if someone hurts you, pray for them. So there, there is such a thing as a healthy boundary line. I mean, Jesus, the, the, when people would assault him with words, he would finish what he had to say, and then he would say, goodbye, and he'd leave. And he never showed up at the Pharisee's door to argue with him. You notice that. He never actually said, I'll debate you anytime, anywhere, or I'll, you know, I'll, I'll just show up at your house and I'll just debate you. No, I mean, he would, he would talk with them if they came, but, he, but that wasn't his priority. He would finish whatever he had to say to them and then he would move on to the next assignment. So there, there's, there's, a, uh, there, there are, there's a healthy boundary line you know, against people who want to physically harm. You see that? You know, I don't believe that God requires us to seek them out if, they, if we know they mean to do us harm. And we're going to see that in the story that we're going to read in just a minute here. See, we can pray for, if you pray, you, you pray for someone, you can pray for them from a distance. You know. And he, and, and he didn't say, okay, well, you, you know, his, his intent behind that was, well, pray, you, it's okay to pray that if, while they're walking under a window, a flower pot falls on their head. That's not what he meant. You know, we know that. You know, love your enemy, you know. <laughs> so, what do we pray then? You know, I already gave some examples, but mostly we pray, when we're praying for our enemy, we pray, for, we pray out God's plan for their life. You know, that they be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The word said, I, you know, God desires that all men be saved. And when he says men, he's talking mankind. That's what he means. He doesn't mean just men. I, I, you know, I desire that all, that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So that's, a, that's something that God wants as a plan for all of our lives. That's a part of his plan for all of our lives. He's, and you see, he wants us to continue coming to the knowledge of the truth. Stay saved and continue coming to the knowledge of the truth. So you could pray that out. You could say, Lord, I pray, that, I pray that, they, that, that you send laborers across their path that can tell them about Jesus. Or I'll do that too if that's what you want. You know, got to leave that, got to leave that door open. You know, now, now then, and there's also times when you end up praying for somebody who's not, or who is saved, who's a believer. Because I've seen, have you, have you seen saved people act like they're not saved? 
Yeah? You know, and so you, you pray, you, you ask God, okay, Lord, deal with their heart about this matter. You know. And so go ahead and look at verse 29 again. And this is, you know, interesting. I just dig into this a little bit. He said, if someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. In other words, don't take revenge. You know. But also don't show submission or, 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 or fear to what they're trying to do. He didn't say to do that. You know, you're not, you're not, showing, you're not showing fear. And you're not telling them that it's okay that they slapped you on the cheek either. Forgiving, and it's the same thing, forgiving someone too is not the same thing as, as, as saying what they did was okay, what they did to me was okay. No, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is saying, Lord, they don't owe me anything. I'm canceling their debt. Now I'm putting them in your hands and I won't dwell on it anymore. That's forgiveness. And, you know, you consider this because Jesus, you know, God never will ask any of us to endure anything that Jesus hasn't gone through. But Jesus went through a lot. He was tortured, but he didn't take revenge and he never showed fear. You know, he, 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 he didn't let his torturers think that what they were doing was okay. You know, he asked one of them when they struck him, he said, if, if I said evil, fine, but if I didn't say any evil, why are you striking me? It's just a question. You know, he let them know. And you remember he told Pilate, he said, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. So he, he let them know that he was being hurt wrongfully. But he had a purpose. Save the world. Endure the cross. And he's still fulfilling his purpose through the church today. And then how we do that, how we fulfill that purpose is actually what we're talking about right here. Because the second part of the verse is, if someone demands your shirt, offer your coat also. And someone said, well, how, how does offering my enemy my shirt, how is that going to help? I read about a pastor once, Pastor Skinner, uh, who, who went into the backwoods of Tennessee, and he's, he's telling people about Jesus. You know, that's why he went back there. And he came to an old house with this, you know, white-haired man sitting in a rocking chair. And he told the man, he walked up, he said, I came to tell you about Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. And the old man said, didn't Jesus say to give your shirt to them if they ask you for it? And he said, yeah, he said that. He said, well, I'm asking for it. So he took off his shirt, he gave, gave it to the man, and he ran away from the house just in shame. Just, he just feels utterly humiliated. Well, the next day God said, I want you to go back and talk to that man. And he's like, I do not want to do that. But he eventually said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it, Lord. That's what you want. So he went, he went back, goes back through the woods, and he comes up to the, the, the porch, and the old man's sitting in the rocking chair wearing his shirt. And he starts to tell the man, I came back to tell you about Jesus. And the old man just broke down into tears. Just was completely broken. Apologized again and again. And he, he gave his heart to Jesus right there on the porch. And, you know, it's like, I don't recall whether the story said he gave him his shirt back or not, but, you know, I was agonizing over that, and the Lord's like, the shirt's not what matters. The shirt doesn't matter. I mean, at the very least, you could look at it as an investment into God's kingdom, even if he didn't give the shirt back, or if the guy said you could keep it. The shirt was just what God used to break the man. 
you know. You know, have to remember that the Holy Spirit is there with us when we talk to people. He doesn't leave us in the lurch. And even if someone doesn't accept Jesus, we've still planted seed. That's the, that's the point. Scatter seed. Scatter seed. Because, I mean, it may be somebody else who, because you scattered seed, someone else who comes along and tells, you know, starts talking to the person and they accept Jesus because seed was planted. It takes time for a seed to grow. So then... It's the Holy Spirit that convicts people of wrongdoing. We don't do that. That's not our job. That's, you know, and it's powerful. That's a powerful thing. It can lead a person to a breaking point. God speaks to the heart. But see, if that pastor hadn't listened to the leading of the Holy Spirit, who knows if the old man would have ever come to Jesus? Because he, he could have made the decision to listen to his flesh, which said, don't go back there. That man humiliated you. That's just shameful. You know, but but think about this though: the Lord was not sending the pastor back into a situation where there was physical danger. The old man didn't didn't want to harm him. Okay, and and here's where we get into the Old Testament story. Let's go ahead and, and uh, turn back over to First Samuel twenty four. How are we all doing with this? You okay? Everyone okay? You're you're still functioning, still breathing. Still blessed? <laughs> I'm going to take this opportunity to get a drink of water. Okay. So let's do a little bit, little bit of background on this. Um, this is a short, short story here, short little exchange between David and Saul. Now, if you remember, Saul was the first king of Israel. And it was uh, while Saul was king that David fought Goliath. Most of us know the story, David and Goliath. And after that, David became Saul's armor bearer. And as I understand it, if you were an armor bearer in the Old Testament, you, you not only carried a person's gear, but you also fought side by side with them in battle as a two-man, sort of a two-man team. But David did so well in Saul's service that Saul started to get jealous of David because he was so popular with the people. Remember, David had been anointed to be king, so he was already walking in the kingly anointing before he actually ascended the throne as king. And so he had this amazing ability to lead people into battle in the defense of Israel and the borders. He did, he did an amazing job leading his men. And so Saul actually got to the point where he thought that his, his throne was in jeopardy. They're, they're going to make him king and kick me out, which God had already told him, I'm taking the kingdom away from you, you know, but we won't get into all that. There's, it's, a, it's a fascinating story. Maybe someday we'll do a teaching on it because there's so much about waiting on God, relying on God, treating people right and giving it over to God, um, st- constantly looking to bless God's people, and at the same time preserve your own life and trust. I mean, it's just it's a, it's an amazing amazing story, and all about. Ah, we won't get into it. It's 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 fascinating, and we can learn so much from it. But the point here is that Saul actually saw David as a threat. And the word says he tried to kill David twice. He tried to spit him. He he, he threw a spear at him t- on two different occasions. Tried to pin him to the wall. And David escaped both times. And it got to the point where, uh, you know, David, because Saul actually began to behave like an enemy toward David, like not just, not just a, you know, as they would say, a frenemy nowadays, you know, not just as somebody who looks to mess you up here and there. No, he wanted to kill him, you know. And so David actually fled from Saul's presence, 
you know, um, he hid out in many places. You know, usually if you think, well, if a person's hiding out, if they're laying low, they maybe got two or three places they go. No, D- David hid in a total of nine places, nine different places over years from Saul. Because Saul kept coming after him with an army. Okay? And uh, Saul, you know, uh, it's, it's just, it's, in all that time, David never tried to harm Saul. Never. It's that I understand that you're trying to kill me, so I'm going to distance myself from you, but I will never harm you. Well, the Bible says love does no harm. So he was behaving in love, even if he didn't feel love. It's hard to feel love for a person who's trying to kill you. But, he's, but he was still showing Saul love by saying, I'll never harm you. You know, uh, let's go ahead and read about, about this one of the times that because David actually, to the point where David actually spared Saul's life twice. Saul tried to kill David with a spear twice. David spared Saul's life twice. It's interesting. So look here in verse 1. It says, After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now, <laughs> you know, back in those days, there's no, there's no buckies anywhere with the super fancy clean bathrooms, you know. There's, you know, there's no gas station that's like, number one clean bathrooms, voted, voted six times. In the last, you know, there's none of that. So Saul, Saul needs to take a pit stop, and he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some privacy and go over here in this cave for a while. You all just hang out, sit tight. So he goes into this cave, and David is hiding in that cave. And so, you know, you find in times, sometimes your enemy will cross your path when even they weren't expecting. It's like, you're both like, where'd you come from? You know, and and I mean, we call this a divine appointment, because God's going to do something here. Let's see what happens next in verse 4. It says, now is your your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. You know, sometimes you've got friends that are trying to, now's your chance. Get him. Get him. God's even saying it's okay. You know, that's not what God said. God didn't say anything. (laughs) So it says here, uh, so David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. The Lord knows I shouldn't have done that to my lord the king, he said to his men. The Lord forbid that I should do this to my lord the king and attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. It's amazing, isn't it? Jesus died for every person on the earth. They're all, they've all been called to salvation. It's to say, you know, can't, can't harm you. God's, Jesus died for you. God, I can't harm you. Okay? After Saul had left the cave, this is verse 7, and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My Lord the King. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Then he shouted, see, he's still honoring the man's office. Okay? Now, he said, verse 9, uh, wait, where, 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 where am I? I lost my, lost my place. Verse 9, thank you. 
David bowed low before him, verse 9. Then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true, for the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you, for I said I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father. Now, he's not really his physical father. It's just a term of respect back then. Okay. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As that old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds, so you can be sure that I will never harm you. Okay, so you see, David does right. He puts his, his enemy into God's hands. The Lord, the Lord will judge this. I'll never harm you. Okay, so David gives us a good example of how to love an enemy. And he, he refuses to hurt Saul even when he has the perfect opportunity. Even when his, all his men, everyone is saying, now is your chance. Because they're, they're, they're just as much in hiding as David. It's like, it'd be so much easier for him if you just take him out. It'd be easier for us if you just take him out. We wouldn't have to run anymore. Just take him out. It's awful tempting. So David has to decide whether he's going to respond from the flesh or whether he's going to respond from what God has taught him. Am I going to respond from my flesh or am I going to respond from my heart? What God is telling me. See, the conscience, it said his conscience began bothering him. The con- your conscience is, your, is the voice of your heart. Is it safe to follow your conscience? Well, how much of God's word is in your heart? I mean, unsafe people have a conscience too. Okay. Now, keep in mind, David's not perfect. He, even though he chooses wisely here, he's still going to complain a bit. Look at verse 14. Who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? This is David speaking. Should he spend his time chasing one who is as worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate, and he will rescue me from your power. When David had finished speaking, Saul called back, Is that really you, my son David? Then he began to cry. And he said to David, You are a better man than I am. For you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today. For when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me today. See, now now even his enemy is pronouncing a blessing over him. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king and that the king of Israel will flourish under your rule. Now swear to me by the Lord that when this happens, you will not kill my family and destroy my line of descendants. So David promised this to Saul with an oath. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went back to their stronghold. And that's a promise that David kept. So this is amazing to me. Saul, the man who's trying to kill David for years, he responds to David's mercy by first pronouncing a blessing over David and then he even prophesies that David's going to become king. You know Proverbs 17 or excuse me Proverbs 16:7 says these words, when a man's ways please the Lord, 
He makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. (laughs) See, God doesn't want us to worry about how our enemy is acting. He wants us to act right. If we do that, he deals with our enemy for us. Why does Jesus want us to love our enemy? It's because loving our enemy will make us act right. And then God is free to deal with our enemy on our behalf. Because if God's dealing with me because I've got a bad attitude, he's not going to deal with my enemy yet because he's dealing with me first because I'm the one that knows better. So if I get myself out of the way, I take myself out of the equation by saying, okay, Lord, I'm putting them in, I'm, I'm, I'm going to forgive them, I'm putting them in your, in your care, and I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to do good to them and bless them. See, now God's like, okay, now we can deal with this one. Amen? Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. All right, well, that's all I have today, and I am over time, but, uh, so I will dismiss everyone, but I'll go ahead and, you guys ready? You can pay attention? I know you guys did. They're not listening right now. They're asking, they're asking each other for the answers right already, right? Okay, so Miss Tammy's getting you guys. You guys know the rules, you know. Make sure you raise your hand. Don't blurt out the answer. Once you've gotten a piece of candy, wait until everyone else has gotten one, and then you can, you can, ask, you can answer again, okay? You ready? Okay. He's standing at attention. Okay. Number one, when you treat your enemy the way God wants you to, are you responding from your heart or your flesh? It's when you, when you treat your enemy the way God wants you to. All right, fine. You were first, so yeah, okay. He got it. He said heart. God speaks to the heart. That's right. Amen. Number two, you with me? Twice I said when you're awake, there are three things you are doing you could possibly be doing. Can you tell me one of those things? Luke? Thinking. Got it. All right. You ready, Timothy? Can you tell me one of the other ones? Think. Say. He got it. (laughs) All right. See, there's object lesson. Visual visual aid, right? Number two. Because he said number two. Okay. And number three, there's one more. Luke, you got it? Do. Think, say, do. You got it. Okay. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch over to true or false. And so I've got you. You've got you. T- Luke, we've, we've gone around once. Luke's got his second one. So now it's you two. All right. Luke, you've got to wait till they got it. True or false? They're scowling at me now. That's the easy one. True or false? If we treat our enemy with love, God will start to deal with them for us. Is it true or false? Samuel was first, Timothy. It's true. God doesn't want us to try and seek out revenge. He'd, he, he sent Jesus to die for them too. Amen. All right. True or false? True or false? It's Timothy. I feel, I feel, I've got three contestants over here. It's like Jeopardy, right? Right? Except they're not answering in the form of a question. True or false? When we have an enemy that is trying to hurt us, we can pray for them from a distance. Is that That's true. <laughs> He acts, all, he acts just unsure of himself, but he knew. You know, like, am I really right about this? We had one of our tests at Rama, we had The pastor had, he had a, a, a test with, I think, 50 questions on it. And they were all true or false. 
and all the answers were false. And there were people that were mad because they guessed a few true because they said, well, that not all of them could be false. He said, of course they can. He told the, the, so many people complained that he said, if it's false, it's false. It's like they're all false. I thought that was hilarious. I think I answered them all false, if I remember. <laughs> all right, true or false? When Jesus said, bless those who curse you, now all three of you guys are eligible again. Okay? When Jesus said, bless those who curse you, he was talking about what to do when your enemy is saying bad things about you. Is that true or false? Samuel? You want to hear, you want to hear it again? You're opting out? Oh, he's, he's handing it over to Luke. Okay, well, all right. Yes, sir. It's true. He's got it. Blessing and cursing are both done with the mouth. Man, you guys are on it today. All right. True or false? Are you two listening? Stop punching him in the face and listen. See, we, we talked about treating your, your enemy right. We didn't talk about treating your friends right, right? True, true or false, okay? Jesus told us not to harm our enemy because God just can't wait to strike them down right in front of us. Is that true or false? I, got, I, think, that was, I think that was Timothy. That's false. You got it. Did you answer for him? <laughs> See, first, he, first he pretended to punch him and then he stole his answer. All right. Wait a minute. Okay, last question. Last question. True or false? This is the last question. So it's to you, Timothy. True or false? Jesus said that if God puts our enemy into a perfect place where we can hurt them, then we should just go ahead and do it. You want me to read it again? You got it? It's false. Jesus said to love our enemy. And the word says, love does no harm. Amen? Okay. All right, you guys, you guys got it, and that's all I have to say. Is it, does anyone have any, any questions or anything before I close this out in prayer? No? Yes? No, everyone's quiet. Okay, let's pray. All right, Father, we thank you for the command, and we know it's not easy, so I ask, Lord, that you help us all to do this. Help us all to love our enemy. Pray for those who, who um, want to do us harm, you know, stay at a distance, pray, you know, bless those, pronounce blessings on those who curse us, do good to those who hate us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to uh, be very effective in these things so that many people will come to Jesus as a result of this ministry, this scattering of seed. And we thank you, Lord, and praise you. I pray you bless everyone as they go. And I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, well, you're all dismissed. <laughs>